Are you looking for a D&D podcast for the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. You're listening to the Ironbound Chest. The topic for discussion this month is emotion. Today, we're sitting down with Gamer Mom Luna and Tales from the Tavern. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by Luna. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I've been enjoying our little discussion we had before recording, so I'm really interested to get to talk to you even more so now. Yes, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So right off the bat, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast or have you got an idea of how the podcast works? I have not. I'm really sorry. No, that's fine. No, 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 please. I, like I said, right before we record, I'm like, be honest, be yourself. Like yeah. and it, I, nothing offends me. I'll let you know that right now. Nothing will offend me. My, uh, uh, my podcast time tends to be when I commute. And lately I'm still working from home four days a week because of all the, you know, the quarantine, all that stuff. So yeah. Prior to that, I was commuting an hour each way, three days a week, and then like another half an hour uh, each way the other two days. And so I lost like all of this valuable podcast listening time. And that's when I started finding all of these podcasts. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm (laughs) so behind. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's that's really funny, though. Like, I guess similar boat. I've since moved very close to my job where before it would take me at least an hour there and back. So I would have a good, you know, a a good chunk of time to listen. And then at work, I work like a 10 hour shift. And even though I'm not supposed to have my headphones and I sneak them in, uh, (laughs) I can really start to consume a lot of stuff. I've been busted uh, walking in, finishing up. I listen to a couple of actual plays right now, and I've been busted walking into the office like with my phone right up by my ear, like listening to the tail end <laughs> of an episode. And people are oh, like, what yeah. are you doing? And I'm like, shh, shh, I just need to hear this like, you know, five minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> calm down, calm down, everyone. Like, shh, right, yeah. we got to be real quiet. This is the good part. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so funny. So The Ironbound Chest is a, is a podcast, obviously, that is – fairly well of an, an interview format where sure. each each month I have a different topic. This month's topic is emotion. Ooh. Basically a discussion of how emotions can arise from the various facets of storytelling and gameplay and just how they affect us as people. And so, you know, each week I have a new guest and I am so pleased that you're my guest this week. And I'm just really looking forward to getting down and dirty as a weird expression, I'll say, into these questions. <laughs> it's all good. I know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this well, kind good. of stuff. It's, it's always a, an interesting topic. So, 
Yeah. yeah. Before we get into questions, I actually want to talk to you, ask you some questions about your own project, though. So, so tell sure. me a bit about you have just a you have a, a Twitch stream, don't you? I do. I um, am part of the channel uh, called How I Nerd. And we actually have currently three actual plays. Um, we're getting ready. We're actually gearing up with three more in the pipeline. And then we oh. have Thursday nights right now. I host a stream called Tales from the Tavern, which is basically a roundtable discussion where I pull in about Usually it's five. Um, next week is actually going to be, I think, seven people, not including myself, uh, because wow. we're doing a cast reveal for one of our one of our upcoming streams. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really fun conversation where we just talk about TTRPGs and and people can come in and talk about their projects and then we take questions. So because it's on stream and it's live, uh, we take questions from chat and that really fuels the conversation. So nice. there's not really ever a specific topic in mind. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I've started doing is I'll put out on Twitter now. Uh, I started this last week and it actually worked pretty well is I will put out a like a poll question with a couple of different answers and get kind of Twitter's response to whatever the question is. And then that becomes our opening question for uh, the, the group that day. So we can kind of say, okay, like this that. is what Twitter has said. Now, what are your thoughts? And that sort of gets the conversation rolling. And then from there, chat will, will drop questions. And it's anything from, you know, what's your favorite TTRPG system to how did you get into playing? And then we've had some really fun questions like, what's your real life God stat and your real life dump stat? And <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, the conversation really could go anywhere I love and that. it's a lot that's of so fun. Cool. So that's, I mean, I love our actual plays, but that one's probably my favorite. <laughs> nice. That, that does sound like a lot of fun. Like yeah. I, I have enough fun just getting able to talk to at least one or two. I don't think I've interviewed more than two people at once though, but like doing something like that would be just so fun in my eyes just to be able to have like a bunch of people just you know and very similar to this like just a relaxed conversation yeah. of of things so that just, and that's we try just cool. to I, like I try to get people kind of from all around the space so some people stream some people don't some people do podcasts um last week i had somebody on who she plays in a couple of campaigns, but she loves to paint minis and then she just gives them away. So she actually gave away oh, wow. seven on stream last week. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, we've had Ribinator, who is a dice maker and YouTuber. He's been on our stream before to talk just, you know, about his experiences, both with dice making and then also with just playing D&D &D and, and that sort of thing. Um, God, that's cool. Yeah. So it's really a ton of fun. And it's, um, it's a lot of people, you know, sort of as my community has grown through meeting people on, on Twitter, you know, I get to see new streams and then I meet new people and then they're like, oh, I know this great person you should have on another time. And so my, <laughs> my TTRPG circle has gotten huge over the last year, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. That's like what I want to do. And and already, like, even though, again, I've put out maybe at the time of this recording, which is August 18th, and this will be released in, in maybe the second week of November, like, I've only got out like seven episodes right now. But like, I've recorded, obviously, up till November. So but like, even just that is just made me so happy just getting to know different people like this yeah. is much more fun than I thought it would be doing podcast doing just really like any kind of format that is 
to be consumed by a listener, by a viewer or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And especially like pulling, like you said, pulling from people of this community. My God, like it's just it. I didn't think that it would be. I didn't think it would be this way, but it is, you know, <laughs> like, but it, it just, I don't know. It sounds cheesy, but like, it does warm my heart a lot to know that, you know, people in this community support each other so much. Yeah, they really do. And, and it's, it's interesting because I was on Twitter not too long ago and somebody was saying something about how they couldn't stand the toxicity of Twitter and, and you know that sort of thing and and all i could think was well then change who you're looking at you know cuz i don't yeah. have that experience because it's so many ttrpg creators and makers and artists and mm-hmm. uh you know things like that and you can really tailor you know who you pay attention to and and you know and that's not to say that i'm blind to you know what's happening in the world around me you know i absolutely yeah. do look at the other stuff as well but i choose you can choose when you want to look at it in that case. So, right. so you don't have it constantly bombarding your newsfeed. And, and it's really been a game changer for me doing it that way. So <laughs> that's good, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that is important to right now. Obviously, this really fucked up world. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll say this. Like I before I started this podcast for about a few weeks, maybe it was around a month. It was back whenever like the the Black Lives Matter protests were going on when all this, I don't know what your political alignment is, but when our dumbass president uh, (laughs) was doing all of his dumbassery as he does and all this other stuff was just bad, you know, everything from Hong Kong and all over the world. I was consuming this kind of information and all this media and stuff like just just at a at a breakneck pace it was like because i i mean i'm only 28 years old i have never i mean i'm sure a lot of people you know my age but others too have not experienced something like this and and it was just it was blowing my mind it was making me scared it was it was confusing you know and yeah. and it but it, like it wasn't that i didn't support the good things that were going on it was just that like my god this is stressful for me because i'm worrying about others and so i went into this huge depression spiral mm-hmm. and just i was sinking so low and i'm like i need to stop this and so i just went like it was like cutting it cold turkey like you just i just stopped all this you know negative news and all this other stuff and like that's when i first was like maybe i should start posting stuff on twitter of like my map making work because i like to do some cartography on the side well and that's how it first started was was doing that and as or as i started following these different you know content creators and people like you and others i'm like wow this is such a positive outlooking community that you know and again it's not like they themselves are blind you you, we are not obviously blind to these woes of the world but like it it lifted me up out of that you know depression and like i am just i I guess to tie it in with this month's topic of emotion like i am just overwhelmingly happy as well as thankful for people like you and others to like just kind of reach a hand out and be like hey it's gonna be okay like things things will get better. Yeah. And then, you know, I look at it, it's like, and in the meantime, 
I have this whole other fantasy world that I can go play in right now, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I have control over some of what happens in that one. So, so um, yeah, so it's, it is, it's it's kind of a nice escape, just both as a creator, you know, and somebody who plays in some actual play campaigns, but also too, you know, like I said, I listen to some actual play podcasts as we were talking about before. And, you know, that's a nice escape to, listening to the news on my commute to work or yeah. um, one thing which blows my mind. This just happened yesterday. Okay. So <laughs> last week, I think it was one of the podcasts that I have been listening to. I've been, I'm not quite caught up on it yet. They've got 31 episodes out and I just started episode 28 and mm -hmm. uh, I've been listening to it in the car you know, anytime I'm in the car, really like anytime I'm in the car, even if it's a five minute away errand. <laughs> and so whenever my daughter who is 12 is in the car with me, she listens to it also. Well, lo and behold, last week she confessed to me that when she's been in the car and she's had her earbuds in, she's actually not listening to anything. She's been listening along to the podcast oh. with me. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> and then yesterday, I got out of work and I went to pick her up at her grandparents' house and I get there and she goes, so I have to tell you something. And I said, okay, what's that? Like thinking it's going to be this very serious revelation or something. She goes, I skipped ahead in the podcast and I'm listening to episode 27 now. And I went, what? Oh no. Oh my gosh. So, uh, and I said, so I leaned in her and I go, well, that's good. And she goes, it is. And I said, yes, because I have episode 28 queued up in the car. Oh, hell yeah. It's like, I was that's like the coolest thing. myself ecstatic. And so, you know, I, I have spoken with, um, several of the players and, uh, the DM of that actual play. And so I, I put the message out on Twitter last night about that and they were like, yeah, here we are connecting to the youth, you know? Oh my gosh. That's and so cool. It's so cool. And, and what was really great. So I, I've actually I started playing D&D when she was a newborn. That was when I first started playing. Oh wow. And so she has seen me play D&D her entire life. And so when she was probably like 5 or 6, she would be like vaguely interested in what was happening, but she really just cared about combat and the fact that she could have right. a mini on the table. So <laughs> her mini was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with red rose tea, but those are the ones that come with those little figurines in the box. And oh. so her mini was a little pink ceramic bunny. Oh, <laughs> that's and, so cute. And it like, it didn't matter what she was. That was her mini. And, um, and That's she awesome. only wanted to play for combat. So she basically was like the equivalent of having like a familiar at the table that just came out for combat because she would sit oh, like yeah. very attentive for for a battle. And then she'd be like, OK, bye, I'm out of here. <laughs> and so yesterday after she told me about the fact that she'd been listening to this podcast, I said, well, you know, I said, you know, if we if we had a game, I said, do you think you'd be interested in playing? And she goes, I mean, I'd have to learn everything again, but yeah, I'd play. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I that's did so it. cool. You made it. And I was like, yeah, she's kid. 12, right? I'm like, and she's 12 and she wants to hang out with me and play D&D? &D? Like, what? <laughs> that's just the best, like, mother-daughter duo you could ever hope for right there. That's so cool. I love yeah, that. I'm super excited. So nice. I... um. I, yeah, I really, I, 
cannot wait until I can get something set up for her to play, even if it's just a one shot. So I have a few ideas so spinning fun. already. So <laughs> Ooh, nice. That's always good whenever you're at least it's like, OK, I have at least a few things that we could do. Which mm. one do I want to choose? Because mm-hmm. you, if you're anything like me, you just want to do them all. But unfortunately, we we can't make clones of ourselves and experience things through them clones. So we can only pick one thing at a time, which is not as good as when you can, you know, do so many other things. But oh, my gosh, you guys are going to have so much fun. Yes, I'm, I'm excited very for you. excited. <laughs> well, that sounds like something that you are going to. <laughs> I'm going to be corny here. This sounds like something you're going to you and her are both going to treasure Probably for years to come, like your first game together, uh, like yeah. a real game, though. Yeah, I was uh, going to say but, this would be like our first real game. So, yeah, 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 it'll be great. It's, it's good, though. It's going to be great. Well, but but besides treasuring that, here's my golden question that I ask all of my guests. My first all question, right. to all my guests. What is it that you treasure most about Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, gosh. I think for me, especially at this point in my life and given some of the conversation that we were just having, Mm -hmm. it's all the people that I've gotten to know through playing it. And and I don't even say that just because of playing online or doing streams of games or, you know, podcasters that I've met from doing it. Even the friends that I've played with locally, it's kind of Mm -hmm. this piece that I didn't know about them until I started playing. And it like opened Mm -hmm. up this whole extra piece of our relationship. And so now being able to have that as a point of connection with people in my life, you know, one of my friends that I've been friends with him since we were freshman in college. And so that was, oh gosh, uh, over 20 years ago. And, wow. you know, and we, we were actively playing pretty much up until the pandemic hit, you know, and uh, one of my good friends who I work with at like at my actual job, she and I knew each other beforehand because we were playing D&D together. <laughs> so just things like that, you know, and, and all the people that I've gotten to meet, even just since getting involved with the How I Nerd channel, um, you know, I definitely have people now that in my life that I consider, you know, my absolute best friends that I never would have met if I didn't didn't play. So, um, <laughs> and then you know, my one of my best friends, or well, I should say my my very best friend, really like her. She now lives a mile and a half from me. When we first met, it was because of a mutual love of uh, the Dragon Age video games. And um, yeah, yeah, we met through a Facebook group and I had just been playing, I'd been playing D&D for a couple of years at that point. And so I messaged her, turns out she only lived about an hour away. And uh, I said, would you ever be interested in joining a D&D group? And she was like, okay. And sort of long story (laughs) short, because of her saying yes to joining our D&D group, she got married to one of the other players. They now have a kid together. They live a mile and a half down the road from me. (laughs) Her mom, at one point, I'll never forget it, she pulled me aside and she was like, thank you for introducing my daughter to her people, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) it was really, really sweet. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, though. That just makes me happy to hear that. Yeah, it's I yeah, I mean people are just I mean, I I have I always hear like people say there's, you know, oh the the gatekeepers and the people who don't want women at the table and mm-hmm. you know, you can't play that because you're this and that sort of thing. I personally have never experienced that and I I'm like, you know, 
I, I want to say that I'm lucky because I am, because I know there are people that have experienced that kind of thing. But at right. the same time, I'd like to think that the people that I have met and played with are the rule and not the exception. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that there are more people out there who are more than willing to sort of, you know, open a seat at the table for somebody uh, and mm -hmm. let a new person in than there ever than there are. I think there are more of those types of people than there are the gatekeepers that want to keep people out. So I, I would say you're you're more than likely right. Like, I can't imagine there being a huge, <laughs> a huge counter community of people who are like, we don't want these people in. It's like because yeah. <laughs> and I've said this before on earlier episodes, but like us nerds who play these kind of games, we a lot of times we're the outcasts who know what it feels like to to have that kind of like, oh, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you're a super nerd. Like we don't want to hang out with you or, or just what it doesn't even have to be about D&D &D, could just be about whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and so like the fact that there are those people who are just like, oh, you're a girl. You don't belong here. Like what the fuck, dude? Like, right. like, who are you to say that? Like, anyone can enjoy this game. And it's not just about, like, a tabletop role-playing game, you know? It's just about anything else in the world where there's that kind of, like, discrimination yeah. or biasness about it. Like, shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. You you do not know me. You do not know what people like me are capable of. And it just, anytime I hear that, I'm just be like, Oh, just show that guy up. Show him what you could do. Show him what you could do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We actually, uh, I say we, me and a group of other women who all play D&D, &D, we actually have a group chat that's just, there's seven of us in it. And we actually, the group chat is called the Badass Lady Squad. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. And we are, we are all, uh, you know, active players or DMs or things like that. We're in the process of planning an all women's campaign. Most of them are cool. going to be coming on or not necessarily a campaign, but a one shot. Um, you know, I'm in the process of uh, putting together with them an all women's women in gaming edition of Tales from the Tavern in September. Oh, so, cool. uh, so that'll be available on YouTube by the time this comes out. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of really amazing people out there. And, and if you're willing to give anybody a chance of, you know, whatever they want to play or whoever they want to be at the table, there's just some amazing characters out there. So there definitely are. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> it is. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like I could talk to you about this kind of thing for a long time for about an right. hour and a half. By then we would be out of time though. So why don't we talk a little bit about emotions, shall we? Yeah, sure. All right. So so the main question really is just how do you feel? And I mean, I could probably guess from you just talking to you right now, like, but how do you feel about, you know, the moments where you experience deeper emotional feelings other than just the joy and frustration that comes with games such as tabletop role-playing games in D&D. But like, how do you feel about those emotions that arise during gameplay? Like how, how do you, how do you either deal with them or how do you just, you know, how do you just feel about them? I think they are an important piece of the gameplay. I think I, I feel like, Anytime I make a character, there's a piece of me in each character that I play. Um, that's the piece that really allows me to connect with a character and, and play it, play it at any point. And so because of that, I 
I feel like if something really poignant happens in the story, it's going to affect my character and it's going to affect me as well. And I'm I'm really OK with that um, mm -hmm. because I feel like it allows me as a player, it allows me to get more into the headspace of how my character would react to certain things. But also, I feel like it's just an important piece of connecting with the story. You know, like any good movie or book or TV show or song even, you know, has the ability to evoke an emotion. And yeah. so I don't see this as anything different. You're doing a collaborative yeah. storytelling. And I think it's really important to have that emotion, whether it's something extremely serious or sad or silly even you know um yeah. being able to have that happen is so i think it's a great example of good good storytelling if the dm or your your fellow players are able to bring up that emotion in you yeah for people who might be either nervous or apprehensive about just experiencing more than just like, okay, rolling dice, mm -hmm. adding some numbers up and stuff like that. I feel like having these experiences with emotion and, and like you said, really connecting with your character is such, to me at least, it would be an integral part of really getting into this game more so than that. I think that's just a strong indicator from someone who is connecting well of like, they, they know that like you are passionate about this game. Like, yeah, I don't think yeah. you, unless you are, I don't know, unless you're good, I guess you're just a good actor or something like that. But like you, you know, you are into this game and you want to cherish this game and you will probably be playing this game until you die is whenever you have those strong bonding moments uh, mm -hmm. between the person and the player. Because I mean, what is the, the character other than just an embodiment of some piece of you, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's important, too, because if you're playing with a group and and I'm going to use the the cast of Tabletop Tavern, which is the the stream that I do on Sunday nights, um, I'm going to use them as an example. They are people when I first started playing that game, I didn't really know any of them. Mm -hmm. And now they're very, very close friends of mine. And part of that is because we've gotten to chat about things, you know, off screen. And, you know, we talk about various things. And some of us have gone to Paxis together, and things like that. However, our characters have been through a lot of shit together. <laughs> like, oh, <I> bet. <laughs> you know, we've had, we've had people die, like, not like people, not players, but like, we've had characters that were important to us die. We've mm -hmm. had cities that were raised to the ground. We've had just all kinds of stuff happen that if we hadn't been through some of that stuff together and kind of experienced some of those emotions together, I don't know that we would be as close as we are. And I feel like that that's really important because I want my character to trust other characters that, you know, I'm, that I'm playing with, but I also mm -hmm. want to trust people at the table because if I have a really emotional moment with something that happens in the story, I want to trust that these people are my friends. And so mm -hmm. there 
they're going to look out for me and they're going to make sure that I'm okay before we continue on and not right. just say like, oh, whatever, you know, that that's just her being her, you know, or that kind of thing, <laughs> which fortunately none of, none of them are like that. You know, they're all really great guys. You know, I refer to them now as kind of like my, my four brothers, you know, I mean, we, uh, we have a great so time together. Yeah. And so I think that's really, I think it's really important. And I think you build relationships up through playing games like this that you may not necessarily get in other ways, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like I was, I was getting at before both in the game and outside of the game, you know, because, you know, if I know that someone is going to see my character go through something highly emotional and I can be vulnerable with that as a player, odds are they're probably going to go be okay with it with me as a person. If I have something extremely emotional happen in my life and therefore I can yeah. go to them and trust them to sort of help me through it. So that's just been my experience at least. So yeah, it's a good experience. Honestly, it sounds very good with what you're talking about with, with these brothers of yours and everything about these emotional moments you're, you're basically talking about. It actually can lead into a question that I was going to ask you that where, sure. So when a person, so say like yourself or when another person is having these, you know, role playing moments of just like just strong emotions and you yourself might be getting emotional in your advice or your experience, how can those around the table create a more respectable space so that you or others can then explore those emotions? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's important to have those conversations ahead of time before you even start playing sort of, you know, what's going to, what are we comfortable with exploring in the first place? You know, some people are much more willing to go into, you know, things that are darker or, you know, just harder to handle as a person um, emotionally. Some people don't want to have any of that stuff at all because of their own experiences or because they're just not comfortable role-playing that out and things like that. So I think, Starting with that conversation is really, really important. Knowing what your players are comfortable with as a DM is really important. Uh, actually, today we in in that in my badass uh, lady squad group, we actually just got <laughs> a survey that was shared with us that uh, somebody said they had received previously from a DM. Just kind of what kind of you know what kind of game are you looking for, and are you okay with these kinds of things, and do you want this hmm. kind of thing, and that can be both emotional stuff and that can be things like, are, do you prefer puzzles or do you prefer being the, the brute that just avoids the traps, uh, you know, <laughs> are, you know, things like that. So just kind of learning yeah. a little more about everybody's play style and comfort level. But then also I think being willing to pause the game if needed. And, and, you know, if something happens when, you know, something happens to somebody's character. If there's a character death, if there's something that happens that just is a very poignant point in the story to somebody, I think it's really important for that that team to sort of stop at some point and kind of have a conversation around it and say, like, you know, is everybody okay with what's happening? How are you feeling about this? Do we need to, you know, sort of talk it through? Do I need to debrief? Some topics can get really heavy depending on the type of yeah. TTRPG that you're playing, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's D&D &D or, or you know, any other one, they can touch on, 
really emotional topics sometimes. It could be yeah. sense of sort of those those emotions that we all kind of feel, you know, feeling left mm-hmm. out or feeling lonely or wanting to fall in love or, you know, wanting yeah. to be the hero or whatever it may be. And some of those some of those can bring up big emotions in people, even ones that they didn't realize that they had. And so I think as long as the group is open to being able to kind of debrief around that and you know, everybody's going to show support differently and want support differently. And so I think it's important for people to be willing to say, this is what I need right now. Um, this mm-hmm. is what I need from you. And then for the group to respect that, I think is is wildly important. Yeah. So. I'm in a weird position where I have not yet experienced a huge emotional moment in terms yeah. of like raw, real emotions. So that again, that it just puts me in that weird limbo of like, I don't have my own experiences though, but I, I can pull from others' experiences. And it also makes me want to just experience that more. It, it may sound weird, but like I want someone like this this may sound bad. Yeah. I want someone to cry at my table. I want someone to experience something other than just like I said, you know, before like, oh, getting frustrated at dice or just being super, super happy because mm-hmm. I just feel like it would just strengthen bonds more. Sure. Uh, but yeah, being respectful obviously is like the the critical part of this and saying like you said it beautifully and like this is what I want or like this is what I need, you know, from right. you guys. And that can be said for so many other things and not just video games, but like just just needing help from someone and and someone else responding of like, hey, you know, like, how can I help? And just saying right. like, here, this is what I need. Like, that's it's just a, a real point of like kind of communication and bonding just between people in general that I think can either be taken from life and put in the game or taken from the game and put in life. It's so interchangeable, I but it's still so important. I was just going to say that, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, there's a reason why some teachers and some mental health providers actually use D&D as almost as a therapeutic method. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of that being done more and more now where D&D is used in a therapeutic setting to help people around maybe it's speaking up to ask for what you need you know maybe i as a person am not comfortable doing that but if i could get my character to be comfortable doing that it's a skill that i'm now starting to build in my own life so i could draw on that as a person and say okay well if my character if i were my character what would she do in this situation if she would Mm -hmm. ask for help or if she would ask for you know whatever then that may be the best way to to handle it if she would pull out her sword and stab somebody probably not you know but (laughs) but it is it's a great way to to start handling some of those emotions that you may not either and i say i say you the collective you that you know people may not feel comfortable displaying uh in their everyday life can really help give you a forum to sort of practice that it's allowed me i know to explore sort of not so much the emotion piece, but more getting comfortable with my role playing and allowed me to grow a little more in in that regard as well. So, you know, the groups that I first started playing with, it was all very just sort of straightforward, roll the dice. Like, yes, we're telling a story, but mm-hmm. there were there weren't a lot of that sort of, you know, big revelations about characters or things like that. It was more just kind of, okay, you do the battle and then you go rest for the night and and things like that right. when I first got into it. So yeah, it's, it's over time. I've, I've really, I feel like it's allowed me to expand a lot more on some of that. That's good though. I, I yeah. think it's an important thing to have. Yeah. Like it is so, 
I feel like I say this almost like every episode, but like I just I just can't get away from it saying that games like D&D and probably just D&D specifically just because it is like the most famous one right now, you know, it's the most right. popular. Yeah. But like D&D can be so beneficial to a person socially, mentally, emotionally. I don't know about physically unless it's like, oh, you missed this hit. You got to do like 10 push-ups or something like that. I mean, yeah. maybe if you if you want to be a cruel DM and do that to your players. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, it's just you can have so many benefits from D&D. And I think emotionally it is something that, yeah, should be. I love the fact that there is, whether they be institutions or teachers and stuff like that, using these types of games to really help people who need that kind of help, you know, whether it's just like opening up or just, again, reaching out a hand saying like, hey, I need some help. So Um, I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, too, you know, especially now. um, So my professional background is in social work. That's what I've always done for my career. And so one of the jobs that I used to do was helping one of the local school districts in our area implement what's called social emotional learning. That was part of what I did. And so social emotional learning really has become sort of this hot educational topic uh, over the last few Mm -hmm. years because there's a lot of evidence around self-confidence, self-control, social and self-awareness really can help with academic success. They're big predictors of academic success. And so there's been a lot of finding that playing D&D can actually help with the focus on social emotional learning because you're practicing all of those emotional skills, you know, empathy, negotiation, problem solving, teamwork, even the stuff that you're not necessarily doing in character, you still have to practice some of that stuff. So you have to practice teamwork to, you know, maybe solve a puzzle, or maybe you have to barter with the the armorer to get the best deal on your new chain mail (laughs) or something like that, you know. And um, so a lot of that is really, that's why you're starting to see a lot of it in schools and whatnot. Um, There's some great, I mean, really just a quick Google search can bring up some really great articles and information about it. And it's nice too, because it also can provide an escape from reality, yeah. which can allow people to sort of drop some of those emotions that they carry in everyday life and and shift into yep. like, whether it's something like shifting into the emotions of their character or just giving them something really, ex- you know, to be excited about. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I think like, that's oh, it's really, D&D really day. All right. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> Well, I love that. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able, again, just to utilize this this amazing game in order to help others do something like that. But to to talk more about excitation as mm-hmm. an emotion, as you just as you just had said, you know, this is sure. exciting. So, excitation is is a very strong emotion, especially when it comes to playing, you know, in in D and D and and other tabletop games. I mean, like, sure, you roll your dice. It's like you're the the big bad evil guy, everyone's down. Like you roll a nat 20, the crowd is going to go wild. They're going to be so stoked, so excited, mm-hmm. you know. I want to know what are some of the most exciting moments that you've had while playing D&D? Oh gosh, let's see. Not too long ago, so I actually my character wasn't a part of the actual fight, but she was involved in a way. Uh so we had an incident where so our, our whole party had agreed to help out this paladin that was in town and, or 
Rather, we had said, we will help out by not helping out, but we'll be there to support you. And mm -hmm. so lo and behold, sort of long story short, we discover that this paladin is actually a dragon. And what we were not supposed to get involved in was a fight between him and another dragon. Whoa. And Yeah. And so what happened was the two dragons are basically, I want to say talking it out, you know, but yes and no. They were up <laughs> in the air, like, you know, sort of positioning themselves to fight, but not quite. So anyway, really what it was is one of the dragons uh the one that we had not agreed to help the the sort of the enemy dragon if you will was a black dragon so the black dragon had the egg of the mm -hmm. dragon that we had agreed to just kind of step back and let them handle this well just as they're talking the black dragon drops the egg and of course us not knowing a ton about dragons are like oh my god <laughs> we have to get the egg because we were convinced it was gonna break so oh, no. my character makes a f diving leap for the egg and catches it just as it's about to hit the ground. And she basically just is like, I have a dragon egg. And she looks oh, at the God. egg and she looks at the party and she just books it. Like just oh, takes off. Well, the rest of the party now gets sucked into this dragon fight because oh, they're God. like, you know, the, the guy that we said we weren't going to help was like, that's it. You said you weren't going to do anything and now you're involved. So, <laughs> oh my so gosh. the rest of the party ends up taking on a black dragon. It was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, nobody died. They probably should have, but nobody did. <laughs> and so, Jeez. yeah. So that was this super, like, this was a supercharged situation. And it was actually charged on two ends. One, because, like, it was just this really intense, really exciting battle that went for, like, two sessions. And then the other part was because when it was over, there was a lot of debate among the players and the DM about, well, shouldn't this have happened and this should not have happened. And I don't understand mm -hmm. why this happened. And so there was sort of a lot of that as well. So it did, it just, it made for a lot of excitement in a lot of different ways, you know, and because it was a streamed game, you know, chats getting all excited, which of course is feeding into everything. And right. um, so, so that was a, that was a big that was a big thing. So my character who has the egg, she is a rogue. So inevitably uh, she gets approached by the thieves guild who is like, Hey, you haven't paid your dues. And she's like, uh, here, take this as collateral. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're like, either give us the egg or we're going to like, we're going to fight this out. And she's like, yeah, I like to live. So here you go. <laughs> Wow, just um, I and, and then the rest of the party amazing. catches up to him and they're like, Where's the egg? And she's like, I ate it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I wonder what dragon eggs would taste like. I don't know that I really want to know. Uh right? but she is convinced that she is coming back for this dragon egg. So That's cool. That's cool. Now, now, just to just because I'm curious, does this character have the intention of getting it and returning it or getting this egg and just doing something else completely different? No. Well, the parent is has since passed away because he died in the dragon ah, fight. Okay. So her intention is to raise this baby dragon. Oh, my <laughs> good God. That's going to be so cool. 
Oh my gosh. That is her that is her ambition. If she gets the chance, she would like to save up enough money so she can pay what she owes so she can get the the egg back and then hopefully be able to raise a baby dragon and her oh, her so end cool. goal being to be a dragon rider. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. That's just uh, any I swear every time I ask people about stuff that's going on in their games, I'm like I really just want to be a player like for once like that like or just like I just want to go call my players and be like hey guys come over right now let's play D&D. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. So just a quick question for you. So obviously it sounds like you play a lot of D&D. Now do you do you <laughs> run your own games too? I do not. I have tried my hand at DMing a couple of times. I know it's one of those things that takes practice, but I'm not a very patient person. So <laughs> so <laughs> I have always been frustrated with my my lack of ability to keep up with what my players are doing. I've always had a really hard time being able to to as I always kind of phrase it, to pivot f as fast as my, as the players do so I mm. can kind of stay that one step ahead of them that I need to. And gotcha. so I'm hoping that, you know, I, I'm kind of trying to dip my foot in the water again with, um, you know, maybe playing a couple of like one shot, one pagers, you know, things that yeah. don't require a ton of planning just so I can start to kind of learn some of that ability a little bit. Mm -hmm. But For sure. um, yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten to do that yet. There's some very silly sounding one pagers that I've discovered from somebody on Twitter who uh, he's he's written some very hilarious sounding ones. And I'm like, I've got to play these at some point. So <laughs> that's on my on my to do list. It just hasn't happened yet. Well, that's really cool, though. I'm I'm just excited for you to start doing that because I guess if, if you ever get players like my players, which I love them to death, like. So glad I found them and I'm so glad I'm playing with them. But like while we do have like this overarching, huge, like serious thing that that's going on, you have to do. We all just like they love goofing off like they're just a bunch of goofy players. And I love it. Like yeah. that's that's my thing. And so like definitely they they they, they just throw curveballs at me like every five minutes. Seriously. <laughs> and so I've just learned over time. It, and I have to thank them a lot because it's I feel like it's made me a better DM of just like I don't prep anymore. I don't prep any notes like I have a vague idea of what needs to happen. And yeah. like I've just got some maps, you know, I'll just pop it in if I need to. But like because there is no telling what they will do next. And so, yeah, yeah it, it I, I understand you fully, though. Just like you got to keep up, especially if they're they're the kind of players who who have that play style of like, OK, you know, this is you know, while there is a goal, maybe let's do something in between, you know, and, and that can right. just itself lead to like, oh, now you've pissed off the entire mages guild and they're after you, you know, right? Like, what are you <laughs> going to do? Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that I get to a point where I feel comfortable enough to maybe run, you know, start getting into at least a one shot. I have led kind of a one shot. So one of the things that we do at How I Nerd is we have a role play channel in our discord server cool. so it's very sort of free form you know there it's not like a set role play system we just kind of started making it up as we went and it kind of stuck so we do everything based on a d20 role so generally it's been a you know if you get a one through ten you fail and if you do an 11 through 20 you succeed but you know how close you are to 20 depends on you know sort of 
garners how much you succeed. And that was just sort of how it has gone. And so I did lead, I took, it was a take this actually wrote, which is a, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they are a 501c3 nonprofit that does a lot around gaming and mental health. And oh, so nice. they did, um, they actually released a, a D&D 5e module that was based on, it created a new class and basically gave this one shot scenario where uh, essentially you have to enter into somebody's mind. It's, it's, I mean, really on the surface Whoa. level, you're dealing with somebody who is, who is battling depression and the party ends up having to go into the mind of this person and sort of help her like battle her way out. And so it's a very cool, um, it's a very cool story. So I sort of took that and adapted it for our role play channel and then ran a couple of people huh. through that one day. So that I was really comfortable with because I was playing a character sort of alongside them while also leading the story. But uh, I'm hoping, you know, uh, something like that, now that I kind of know the story, um, you know, I could probably take that and turn it into a one shot at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll that figure that really out. really cool though. Yeah. Yeah. It introduces a new class that they call the psychomancer, which is a, um, Oh, sounds cool. Yeah. It's basically, I want to say it's like a, I think it's a variation on a paladin, but uh, yeah, it's sort of a like a paladin of the mind, so to speak. So oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really neat. Do they so do they get like like mind smites or I don't even know what you would call it, but like the ability to do something similar at all? So the paladin has the ability. I'm trying to think the psychomancer now I've got to remember has the ability to um kind of like teleport people in and out of people's dreamscapes. So yeah, so basically when you go in, what happens is the the psychomancer and then the psychomancer can provide assistance from the outside, you know, whether it's like being able to get additional information to the party or, you know, cast maybe like a light spell or something like that. So the party themselves are essentially in they refer to it as a dreamscape. Essentially, it's the mind of the character in the story. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a few different paths that they can take and each path has a different result, you know, but you have to do both in order to complete the story. And so there's different there's different typical sort of beasts that you fight. Like there's, um, you know, an Aarakocra and things like that. And so, you know, you're using some pretty typical or typical D&D stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but just kind of a, a different plane of existence, I guess. Um, God, that's so cool. And yeah, so it was really fun. And, and doing it in RP channel was just a lot of fun, you know, because people, <laughs> what's nice about the RP channel was that people could kind of pop in and pop out. And so it was really easy to kind of shift in, you know, like, oh, somebody showed up because they arrived and the psychomancer was like, you, you need to go in and help. And like, boom, <laughs> they were in the person's brain, you know? Cool. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun um, to be able to make that to make that happen. And I really enjoyed getting to run that for them. So, you know, it's like, I enjoy the idea of, of doing DMing, but I just haven't built up my confidence enough to do it like around a table yet. So gotcha. No, that, I totally understand that. Like I just, you talking about like your, your apprehension, but it just, just makes me think back to whenever I was first starting. Like, I mean, I just didn't know what I was doing. I'll just put it yeah. plainly. I, I didn't, I was doing, 
things totally wrong. I was I was combining rules from Pathfinder and Fifth Edition and yeah, all this other stuff. And like, thankfully though, it was it was with my brother and my roommate, and they were nice enough to you know not judge me too hard on these mistakes and like the rail the the hard railroading that I was giving them of just like no, you guys can't go anywhere. You have to do this, you know. And it yeah. was just like uh, it was so bad though. But like, yeah, I I totally get that apprehension about it. And I mean, I mean, you will get there. You definitely will. Just from talking to you for almost an hour now, maybe a little bit more. But like, I can tell that like you're gonna be great at this. Like, thanks. It's gonna be really cool whenever your players get their first game ran with you, and it's just gonna it's gonna be cool. I I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh you know, someday getting the chance to do it. I'll probably start by wanting to do it in person first with, uh, you know, some of my close friends because oh, yeah. then if I totally screw up, I won't feel quite as embarrassed, but. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of embarrassment, though, I want to ask you, what is your most embarrassing moment in Dungeons and Dragons, either as a player, like at the table or as a character? And you can pick. Oh, gosh. I don't know that I've had anything that's been super embarrassing. Nothing immediately comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So I must be doing somewhat okay. I think think probably the biggest thing is when I make like, you know, just stupid mistakes like, oh, my God, I should have known that or I should have remembered that playing a Pathfinder campaign and remembering, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm flanking. So I get a bonus. And that's when you do sneak attack because it's different in Pathfinder than it is in D and D. And you know, you mentioned like the combining of the rules and, and then you have to remember to separate them out and which one belongs to which set. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah. When you flank in Pathfinder, you take sneak attack damage. So, well, if you have it, yeah. So, you know, I think when I do stuff like that and then, Especially because, you know, if it's a streamed game, somebody in chat inevitably calls me out afterwards and they're like, hey, you forgot your sneak attack damage. Don't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. To go back a little ways. And and I find it so great, though, that you don't really have any embarrassing moments. Like, yeah, I think you are doing something really good, though. You must be a great player. Either that or I just don't get embarrassed easily enough, which very I mean, well could be the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, like like I was mentioning earlier, like me, like I nothing really phases me and I've learned just to not get embarrassed by things because I mean like so what, you know? Right. It's, things are going to happen. Just deal with it. You got to roll with the punches, you know? I, I just think it's so funny that like, yeah, I'm not, I have none embarrassing ones. It's so great. I was just going to say too is, you know, I mentioned my daughter and, and she's 12 now. So we're getting to the point now where I'm like, oh, you're 12. Now it's my job to embarrass you. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not the kind of parent that does like you know, the mean stuff that embarrasses their kid. But if I embarrass myself in the process, it doesn't phase me nearly as much as if it's something that might embarrass her. Cause then I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, my work here is done. So (laughs) I do want, I do want to further this discussion about embarrassment in this, in this general area as, as (laughs) you know, both of us are parents. Like I never got that, uh, the appeal of the, of a parent, like meaningfully, just digging into their child about like, yeah. oh, hey, everyone at school, look at look at this embarrassing thing I'm doing. And yeah. just like, because how do you not know? Like, you've got to know that like they are getting so much shit at school Absolutely. with their friends. It's like, how? why do that? Why, why be cruel? 
Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't believe in anything like that. You know, I just, I find it to be mean spirited and, and it's not fun yeah. for anybody. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's more, you know, my kiddo gets irritated with me when I'm singing in the car or, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God, mom, someone's going to see you. And I'm like, uh -huh. yeah. And I've been yeah, singing and... in the car for a very long time since well before yeah. you were born and it hasn't stopped me yet. So, for sure. um, yeah, so things like that, you know, the, yeah. the sort of the harmless stuff when, you know, somebody's like, look at so-and-so's mom. She's singing in the car. Yeah, my mom sings Ooh. in the car, too. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, absolutely. That's the no I, big deal stuff. But uh, <laughs> it's having make me have more flashbacks. Like my I distinctly remember my mother singing songs to the a Kid Rock album, singing Linkin Park. <laughs> Uh, yeah. singing like Alice in Chains and just like not giving <laughs> a fuck about like what us kids were thinking in the car. Like, in fact, right? I think I'm pretty sure like me as an adult, but like I think it's me as in a kid. I was like, hell yeah, my mom's pretty cool. Like she knows Lincoln Park. Like that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> and just be like, wow. But like, I, I think too, it's important to know that like as long as you're, if, if you're, if you're ragging on your child, you know, you're just poking some fun. Like as long as they either like have a genuine smile on their face or like right. are just laughing along with you. That's fine. You know, yeah. like that, that just makes it a special moment, you know, and, and, and to go way back to what you're saying about these bonding moments with people, you know, it just, it's just more times where you can fondly look back and be like, you know, that was really funny. Like, yeah, it might've been yeah. embarrassing in that moment, but like, it was funny, you know, it, it was really funny. was, yeah. you know, I think that's I, one of the things I think that bought me some street cred was when I started actually streaming playing TTRPGs because she was like, yeah, been so cool. my mom's a streamer and my mom's you, cool, right? <laughs> like it didn't matter that I was playing D&D because &D my mom's a streamer, <laughs> right? I mean, that's like the biggest thing right now. I think you can be I, I don't know. I'm 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 not hip and cool with, yeah no, with all the current I'm so trends far from it, it's not even funny. i play D, D. i mean what do you expect so <laughs> i i mean yeah yeah i mean we are still nerds and i mean technically i guess streamers are nerds too but like in a different level a little right. bit but like yeah but no like i i love that and i and i i cannot wait till my again my son is old enough to where i can start doing these things and be like you know son Back in my day, because you get that privilege once you get old right. enough, you know, like back in my day, I had a podcast of my own. Like, right. what's a, and, but what's a probably podcast? By that, exactly what I was about to say. I was like, by that time, podcasts would be like totally outdated. It's like all like yeah. virtual reality crap, which will be cool. But like, what's a podcast? We'll be living Dad? in the Oasis. Oh, God, please. <laughs> like. I, I, what's funny enough is I literally did have a discussion about that kind of thing with a coworker of mine today about like, man, I can't wait till virtual reality is like gone to the, to the point where it's like dot hack or sort of online or like ready player one. I'm like, I'm so right. ready for that dive into this other world because like, you know, like games or something like D and D will just be that much more cooler to be like you look down you are actually wearing awesome armor you are casting the spells and fighting right? these monsters Ugh, it's like so larping cool. to the extreme exactly and i talk to other people on on a few other of my episodes but like i i used to larp growing up from like mm early junior high to about high school and like I miss it so much of just like that excitement that joy that I had from just 
running around swinging a pool noodle or like a PVC pipe covered yeah. in pool noodle at people. It's so fun. It totally is. And you know, it's funny because I feel like as when we're kids, you know, when we're when we're little, we wouldn't think twice about going out and LARPing. Like the idea oh, yeah. of being a six year old and going outside and fighting a dragon that nobody else can <laughs> see is like a totally everyday occurrence. But for some reason, you cross some boundary that you don't realize you've crossed until suddenly yep. you look back and you're like, you know, I haven't taken that foam sword out to outside to fight a dragon in a really long time. And I need to sharpen this foam sword on right? that, uh, that there uh, stone wheel. Right. Exactly. But it's like, wh- at what point, you know, why, why do we have to cross that line in the first place? Yeah. You know, as I was saying earlier with my daughter who is suddenly like, yeah, I think I do want to play a D and D game. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, you would be so good at it. You're so creative, you know, like, yeah. It's such a great way to not lose that creative spark. And that's the type of stuff that, you know, even in an everyday nine to five job, you need it. You know, you need to be able to think outside the box to solve problems in the real world. And this is just Mm -hmm. another way to kind of keep your keep that skill sharp, I guess. So, yeah, no, it it definitely is. And (laughs) to divert this from, I mean, a little bit in in terms of like (laughs) D&D, but like, yeah, I think that LARPing is can be just as helpful for someone as something like D&D though. I mean, that's basically, as I was saying before, like you can't really get a physical boon from D&D, but in LARPing you can, you get everything else from it. And it's just, it's so fun. So yeah, listeners go LARP, go swing some foam swords, uh, go do it. It'll be really, really fun. You won't regret it. Yeah. Or cosplay. I mean, that's okay. Cosplay. Yeah. Like, I mean, that goes into it too. Like I remember, Definitely dressing up every time in just like, I mean, it was clothes that my mom had found and, you know, it was like some of like one of her like blouses, I think I was wearing and I looked very piratey, which I didn't care. You know, it was cool. And all this other cool stuff. They are rad, right? But like (laughs) I and I and I remember distinctly like even dressing up for Halloween as my my LARP character and people being like, what are you supposed to be? Are you some kind of like medieval pirate thing i'm like (sighs) i just give a big sigh and in my head i'm thinking like (laughs) do i really want to explain this whole thing about larping and everything like right nope yeah and so i just look at them like yeah yeah i am a pirate that's fine yeah you can just call me a pirate you know we'll go with that you know (laughs) that's so cool though (laughs) to take this back into some questions about emotions and and more so i guess about DD. so you're in the mind of this character and you are being presented with these various situations where things could get emotional or maybe they have gotten emotional do you ever find yourself trying to react to these situations by pulling from your own personal emotional experiences or 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 do you take a, a step away from it and think this is how the way that my character would react it would be totally different and would do something else or or what what is it that you usually find yourself doing it's a kind of a little of both it's a little of how i would react and a little of how my character would react i think part of that depends on what the circumstance is but also it also comes from the fact that uh like i was saying earlier you know there's a piece of myself in every character Mm -hmm. so it really you know it really could depend on sort of what that piece is you know uh i think you know, one of my characters that I'm playing right now, 
Edabricks, who is a uh, <laughs> halfling rogue ranger fighter. Um, Dang. She literally, her levels came from her reactions to different things that have happened in the campaign and people that she was spending time with. So she started as a rogue. That was how she entered the campaign. Had a couple levels of that. And then something really big happened and there was an attack on a town and she thought that the love of her life had been killed. And oh, wow. so she, uh, and this was all in the course of the campaign. So the next level that she took was sort of, she took the level of fighter and, and the sort of the justification for that was that she had been training with somebody else in the party who was a barbarian. And oh, okay. so he'd been sort of teaching her stuff, which they're sort of a really dynamic duo in their own because she is a halfling and this guy, this other, you know, the guy she'd been training with is like seven feet tall. Oh, and, gosh, yeah. um, yeah. So, so he would teach her kind of these skills or say like, you know, this is how you and I can work together and, and sort of give her some of these additional skills. And mm -hmm. then her level of ranger came about because, uh, you know, that's, she had been spending a lot of time as with a, a friend of hers who was a ranger. So just, again, sort of justified by, uh, as having picked up those skills from spending time with somebody that she had been around a lot. So, mm -hmm. so some of it is sort of based on what has happened with her in the story and with people that, you know, that I sort of, as I think about it, I'm like, well, who does, who has it made sense for her to spend a lot of time with lately? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it may come from some of that, the sort of the love of her life that, that she thought had, had been killed in an explosion. That was really tough. It was tough both for me and for my character, because again, love of her life thinks she, you know, thinks he just got blown up in an explosion. So she's like, yeah you know, devastated. She's like, you know, digging through people trying to find him and, you know, things like that. She, um, she, the, the, the explosion happened on a ship that was in the Harbor. So she got on another boat and like went out to do search and rescue on the water. Um, oh, dang. yeah. And, uh, so there was that, um, but there was also this piece of her that just got really, really pissed. You know, she was oh, furious yeah. about, what had happened with the explosion and who caused it. And, you know, so now anytime something even remotely reminds her of that, like she just gets super angry, you know, and is like, I'm not dealing with that. So um, <laughs> when she took Ranger, she took a favored enemy, which, you know, was all based on what happened to this town and the explosion and who did it and all of that. So, so that all kind of played into it as well. And so, her emotions have really played into, which again was not, I didn't quite design her that way when I first, you know, made her as a character, but mm -hmm. she has turned out to be a really emotional character and tends to act on her emotions more than she does on, on her thoughts. So yeah, it's, it's really kind of interesting because it's a lot, that's a lot like me as a person. I find I have to slow myself down before <laughs> I react. And, you know, sometimes I have to have that conversation with myself of, is this a healthy reaction that we're having? Or are you going to piss somebody off if you say this, you know? <laughs> um, right. So there's that. And then another character that I'm playing right now, Evie, uh, she's a, level two ranger right now and she tends to be just kind of a little more like i kind of hesitate to say that she's a bit of an airhead but i think she kind of is you know <laughs> um so stuff doesn't really phase her and i don't know if it's that she just 
doesn't care. Like I'm still, because it's so early on in that campaign, I'm still kind of figuring her out. Um, But I'm realizing like stuff will happen and she'll just be like, "Eh, whatever, you know? (laughs) So, um, so it's been really kind of interesting uh, kind of seeing how she responds versus how Edabrix responds to things. And then for me to consciously make sure that, okay, I'm playing Evie tonight. I have to make sure that Edabrix doesn't try to step in and react (laughs) on her behalf, you know, that duality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to keep that all straight. That's great. I don't know how people play in any more than two campaigns because I sure as heck would not be able to do it. (laughs) But oh my gosh, yeah, it's strange because like I want that though. Like I want that kind of chaos of like I gotta balance these characters and like I I want to I want to input my own take on these you know these emotional situations these emotional moments though so i'm i'm anytime it's just like it just furthers my desire to be a player more and more and more yeah i know it's tough when when you get yeah. stuck as a forever dm or yeah something well, like I mean, that i still i still love it i'll say like i still do love it like i will never not love being a dm and it's yeah. just so fun though but so uh Eda bricks you say is it just this yep. super emotional person really goes off of how she's feeling at the moment i would probably assume uh, that because she thought she lost the love of her life, she was probably being driven by a lot of like sadness, disappointment, and probably, you know, like anger and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And wanting to figure out. So as the story sort of progressed, we figured out that, you know, the, the people who caused the explosion were being controlled by somebody else. And so trying to sort of get to the bottom of that and then not terribly long ago they finally had the revelation that he wasn't actually dead but he had been kidnapped um and so they had found him and uh and they rescued him and they brought him back to town however at the time that they brought him back to town he had also been possessed so he ended up bringing back like this big the you know this big enemy back to town with him oh no and so that really sort of destroyed her in the sense of like, now I don't know if I can even trust him, you know? And so that really like made things very strange for them. And so he, uh, after sort of that passed, the next thing that happened was, um, you know, he had in the process of trying to escape from where he was being imprisoned, he had been tortured and so had lost uh, multiple fingers. And so had, we had been given basically a list of items to collect in that we could try to help basically build him some prosthetic hands that would be enchanted so that he would have use of his hands back. And we failed at doing that in time storyline wise. Uh, We had to move the story to the next part. And so Mm -hmm. we didn't get the chance to finish that. And so as such, he basically was just like you guys aren't my friends anymore like you never were my friends you never cared about me and ended up becoming a vampire who we then had to fight oh my (laughs) god so the whole thing has just been like she's like that's it i'm not like i don't want to I don't want anything to do with anybody anymore. Oh my God. You know, and sort of interestingly, she has always operated under this sort of mantra. So she left her home because of something that she did, but then sort of in her past, um, everything has been, you know, people come and go and come and go and come and go. And so her sort of personal mantra has been everybody leaves anyway. And, um, (laughs) 
you know, it's really kind of sad, but then sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, without even having that discussion with the DM, that's exactly what happened with this person. And it's exactly what happened with a very close friend of hers, both just up and left. And, Mm. and so she's like, you know what? whatever. Like, I'm just going to stop caring about people anymore. So I, I have an, in, an inkling that she is going to, she got really reckless um, when she first thought that she lost him. And now that she knows that she's really lost him because the party is fairly certain they've killed him off. Um, she's probably going to get very reckless again. So yeah. Wow. My God, that is, that's like a roller coaster you just took yeah. me on right there. Yeah, Damn. it really and it really has been. You know, I spend a lot of time kind of thinking about her and, you know, I mean, not obviously not in an unhealthy way, but just kind of like a, huh, you know, I wonder what's going to happen next or I wonder, oh, yeah. you know, I wonder how this is going to play out. And um, and I really just kind of let I I try not to let my own emotions get in the way. I mean, obviously, I have feelings about what's happened, but like as a person i'm like this is going to make for a really good story and as a right. as a character i'm like i just want to make it stop you know <laughs> i um, mean yeah for sure yeah gosh so tell me something positive what is something good that has happened to this character she has developed a very very strong friendship with especially with gunner who is uh, a norse barbarian he's the 7 foot tall guy he's a norse barbarian cleric very cool and they have become really good friends, despite having completely different upbringings, completely different everything. You know, he taught her how to fight and she taught him how to read common, Dang. you know, so things like that. Uh, yeah, because he came to, you know, where we met and, you know, he could speak common, but he couldn't read it. He had no idea hmm. how to read common. And the first time we saw him try to read something it was i mean it was very funny in the game because the player um looks at you know he's like so i take the paper and i flip it upside down and then i hold it sideways and then i go yep this this looks good <laughs> you know <laughs> and oh, yeah. in the meantime Ina Brooks is like he has no idea what that says <laughs> oh my gosh i so, love that so much yeah so they've you know they've had some some pretty good bonding moments um you know he uh was the first one to hear her pretty much her whole backstory about how she ended up where they are uh, oh. before she told the rest of the party and he's very protective of her you know he's kind of like mm-hmm. you know this is my small and i protect the Aww, small you know <laughs> that's so, so adorable yeah yeah I love so that. they have a fun they have a fun relationship that's good yeah and then during battle they're, they're fun together because um you know because of the skills that they've practiced together you know um they'll start to they've learned sort of how to start positioning themselves so gunner may be fighting somebody edabricks may come at from the side and and one of them will shout shield and he'll plant his shield down and she'll like parkour off of it and then attack (laughs) super cool yeah so they've they've kind of got that worked out too it's been a lot of fun one time he tried to do it off her it did not work quite as well oh my Um, gosh i imagine (laughs) i freaking imagine god yeah yeah she stands back up she's like ow i need a chiropractor (laughs) (laughs) oh god that's so good well i love the fact that you with this character especially you you have a you pretty much run the whole gamut of emotions it seems like with this character which has just got to be fun and just just besides that like it's obvious that you you are very happy when you play D. you have a lot of fun 
And it's just obviously D&D is something that you, you know, I can tell that it's really something that you really cherish, you know? Yeah, I really do. It's something that I really look forward to both when I get to play and then anytime Mm -hmm. I get the chance to, you know, to talk about it, you know, to have a conversation like this or when I do Tales from the Tavern, you know, like I say, it's that's probably one of my favorite streams that I get to do. And yeah, uh, it's just it's just a fun time, you know, getting to share my own stories and then hearing other people's stories, but also hearing questions come up, you know, how do you handle it when this type of thing happens? Or uh, does a 20 on a skill check always succeed or always crit succeed? Or does it never crit succeed? Or how does that, you know, and getting to have those sort of, I don't want to say philosophical debates, but in a way they kind of are. (laughs) Uh, And getting to kind of have those discussions because you can really, you can see the people like get really passionate about it. And it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It just furthers my want to play more D&D. Like I, if I could, I would play D&D every day. It would just make me so happy. Right. Me too. But unfortunately that whole parenting thing gets in the way. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like it has its own rewards, you know, like absolutely. I wouldn't change it for the world, you know, but yeah. So, so to tie that in, I guess my last question for you besides D&D, what makes you happy? Oh my gosh. Well, my daughter, I mean, first and foremost, you know, she's just an mm-hmm. amazing kid. She's super fun. And, and you know, like I said, she's 12. So she's starting to kind of come into some more kind of of that more grown up humor, like things that she wouldn't have understood before. She's starting to make, you know, she's able to understand kind of more uh, in-depth jokes, you know, things like that. So she's getting to be more of kind of like a person that I can hang out with and not necessarily somebody I have to watch all the time, you know, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, we'll, we'll hang out together and we'll watch TV or whatever. And she's just fun to kind of hang out on the couch with and talk and sort of let her lead the conversation. So that always makes me super happy. You know, she's really, she's kind of why I do a lot of the things that I do. And then I, I actually, I really enjoy knitting. I knit a lot. Uh, I've been known to knit, you know, just below where my camera is on screen. So um, I've been (laughs) knitting during campaigns. I'm actually in the process of knitting a dice bag right now. (laughs) Um, At this moment? So, well, not right this second. I'm sitting (laughs) on the floor right next to me, though. Um, So cool. Yeah. And then uh, I also dabble a bit in photography. So amateur photographer. I've had some some pictures that I've put into shows, local shows that have done really well, you know, first place in a couple of things. And um, one time I actually was excited. I was really excited. I was lucky enough to have a picture that was part of an exhibit at Grand Central Station. Wow. Um, oh my City. God. So, that's so cool. Yeah. And so what I've been really trying to practice is I'm, I, I'm not great at editing things out of photos. And so one thing that I've been trying to do is get better at some of that stuff. So what I've actually mm-hmm. been doing is taking my miniatures outside and doing photo shoots with them. <laughs> and then I try to edit out like the bases and this, you know, things like that. So it looks like a tiny little person fighting a dragon that's flying in the air. God, that's um, so cool. Yeah. So I've been trying to practice some of that and, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And then just, you know, hanging out with my family, my parents live about an hour and a half away and, you know, so seeing them, um, is always nice. And I really I'm kind of at that point in my life where I try to just make the best I can of every day and, you know, mm-hmm. find something that makes me smile every day. And even if that means that it's just spending five minutes working on a 
on a dice bag for a friend of mine, you know, then, <laughs> then that may be my happiness for the day. But, uh, you know, it's at good least I did something. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Well, that's, that's amazing. I love every single one of those things. It's so cool. Yeah. Like it's and it's just good to find happiness. Like you said, just if it's something very small, even if it's just for a short amount of time, like that's yeah. still important. Like that still does a lot for you as a person. Yes. Yeah. My guilty yeah. pleasure is um cooking competition shows on Food Network. Ooh. So. Yes. <laughs> my God. Yeah. I could just watch those uh all day, all the time. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. that's so cool though. Well, that wraps up all my questions for you, Luna. I have had a wonderful time getting the pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. Good. I'm really glad. I, I'm I'm always glad whenever people have fun and they just enjoy it. So for the last thing, I guess, could you tell the listeners when and where they could catch your show? Yeah, sure. So um, we're in the process. So by the time this airs, there may be some schedule changes, but we have shows on Sunday night on How I Nerd at uh, it's twitch.tv forward slash How I Nerd and uh, all one word. So we I, I have a stream at 8 p.m. on Sunday nights, which things are going to be getting shifted around. So I don't want to say which one that is right now because I'm not certain of which one it's going to be by the time this airs. <laughs> uh, but there will be one on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, <laughs> and Very then cool. Monday nights and Tuesday nights, I'm not in the streams, but we have streams on the channel those nights. Uh, Monday night is a Savage Worlds uh, rule set with, it's a 1980s cyberpunk campaign, which is really, (gasps) really fun. Cool. Um, And then starting on Tuesday, which will probably be starting shortly after this airs. So keep an eye out. We will have a Star Wars campaign launching. So that will be a lot of fun. And then we have Tabletop Tavern 2, I believe is going to stay on Wednesday. So that is our, it is a Pathfinder first edition campaign that I am in. That's Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Thursday nights right now is my uh, Tales from the Tavern, which is also at 8 p.m. Eastern. So like I said, eventually those shows are going to be shifting around. So I'm not totally certain what will be when by the time (laughs) this airs. But for uh, sure, for sure. But, you know, I mean, people can always uh, hit me up on Twitter, um, just twitter.com slash Gamer Mom Luna. If they're like, I can't find your streams, you know, just feel free to drop me a line on Twitter and and I'll I'll let you all know. (laughs) Yeah, everyone, please do go find Luna and just follow everything she does. She's amazing. (laughs) And I will be putting a bunch of little info in the description for everyone to click on and follow. But yeah, so Luna, thank you so much. You're you're an amazing person to talk to. I've had such a good conversation with you. Yes, this was a lot of fun and I hope we get to do it again someday. I really hope so too. I would love that. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you again. And listeners, thank you for joining us. I will see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest. Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so I figure we could do some shoutouts now for reviews that people love less on places like iTunes or Podchaser or wherever else you can leave a rating and review. This one comes from Captain Kirkle on iTunes who says, Love this podcast. The interviews feel natural and filled with fun conversation. Thank you, Captain Kirkle. I'm glad that you find them fun. 
and that they feel natural. That's kind of what I, some of the, my main tenets that I want to have here. So thank you very much. And listeners, if you would like to leave a rating review, please, please do so. Leaving them on places like iTunes and Podchaser really helps to get the word out of the podcast and to let people know that you really enjoy me doing this. So I just want to say thank you to those who have left reviews and to others who have not. Please consider doing so. Thank you, and I'll see you the next time we add some wealth to the Ironbound Chest.